Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We're joined by show contributor Jamir Judson. How are you today? Oh, I'm not so bad. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. A lot of issues. I, I thought, you know, I'd ease into the week first nope. week back. <laughs> We've got no. street sweeps going on. We've got uh, TransLink funding, lots of stuff going on. And, of course, on Monday, we had Pope Francis talking about a universal ban when it comes to, as he called it, the despicable practice of surrogacy. And yesterday, you had a really cool feature in regards to those mm-hmm. who don't support um, the uh, pontiff's uh, views uh, on this issue. Now, you got another issue focusing on something similar. And this, yeah. all came, uh, this all happened because of an email we received after your feature yesterday. Absolutely. Um, we received an email from something because the, the fertility is such a big can of worms in this country mm-hmm. that I didn't think that it was. I had no idea. So we got um, an email from somebody. He's asked to go just by Matthew because mm-hmm. obviously there are some privacy concerns here with the subject matter. He is a local donor conceived person. So he was conceived using um, donation sperm from sperm bank. Mm-hmm. And and he said that there are it's it, it's a, a whole other can of worms of legalities and regulations or lack thereof. So um, I asked him too. So he was kind enough to talk with me today, and I asked him about his story and how he came to even find out he was donor conceived. So I found out because of CKNW actually. Uh, when I was about three years old, uh, my mom was listening to CKNW in around 1988. And uh, there was a program about adoptees and how important it was to tell adoptees that they're adopted when they're very young. So they internalize it as normal and, you know, it's not an an issue to them, not a trauma to find out when they're Mm -hmm. 7 or 17 or 70. And so my mom discussed it with my dad and they agreed that it was a good idea. My dad also had some experience with that. He just got an adopted brother and an adopted sister. They decided to sit me down and tell me. I don't actually remember the discussion, but I do remember telling the neighbor's kid, who's a friend of mine, a little three-year-old playmate, I do remember telling him about it. And then his dad hearing it and saying, oh, you probably shouldn't tell people that. Most of my siblings, though, and I should say there's about 26 siblings so far, and they found out through a DNA test. Most parents didn't tell their kids. And then, you know, you do ancestry DNA one day, and then you go, well, who are these, you know, seven other people that So there's 26 of you in your sibling group so far. Have you met up in person with any of them? Most of us. Really? Uh, We're probably going to get together, a few of us at least, at the the local ones at least, at the end of the month around we're planning to. And we get together maybe quarterly, something like that. Do you know the bank from from which the the donor donated to? Was it an American one? No, uh, he donated through uh, two doctors here in Vancouver who are pioneers in the field. Gerald Korn, uh, who is deceased, and Sidney Evans. I don't know if he's deceased. So they they were who facilitated everything. Not a huge fan of uh, those doctors, particularly Gerald Ford, to be frank. He burned my records. What? Uh, there, was a woman, there was a woman who went to court to get access to the records, and turns out he only had an obligation under BC law to keep them for seven years, so he just burned them all. Ah. And uh, the court actually ruled in his favor anyways, that uh, if you're an adoptee, 
in DC, you have a right to your adoption records, but there's no such right for donor-conceived people. So that's one of the areas where I think there's a real problem in the law. And it's not just for like emotional reasons, but also practical reasons. There's no way, um, like our donor, he actually was part of that lawsuit trying to get the anonymity overturned so people could opt in to find him and he could opt in to find them. So who, who does it hurt really to, to have that option? And you might want that if there was a heritable disease. And, and like I know someone who lost their child because they didn't know they had this genetic condition that they inherited from a donor. This is separate. This is in New York. But so there's no mechanism to inform offspring of these diseases. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just very frustrating that, that, that there's a discrimination inherent in our law. I'm assuming the way you're talking about him, like you've met your donor, at least you're in contact yeah. with your donor. Yeah, I've met him, I met him twice deliberately. Uh, funny thing is, uh, he kept his boat at the same marina my dad kept his boat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I ran into them there a couple of times, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I, I've met him a couple of times. I think about five or six of us have met him. There's more that are interested, but not everyone's local either. We were spread across you know, the entire world from Australia to Latvia. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was that experience like, if I can ask, like meeting your meeting your donor? It was interesting. There was less of an emotional connection than I expected. But mm-hmm. he, and there's um, it's like meeting uh, my siblings. It's, it's, it's like a one is a stranger with your face, which is always, yeah. <laughs> a little strange. Um, and it's oddly familiar in a few senses of the word. Right? You might have mannerisms in common. You might have, and just certain certain ways of, of approaching things. So it's always an interesting experience. And then, yeah, for the donor, it's actually my dad who encouraged me to meet him. My dad said to me, like, you know, he's, the donor is in his, at the time, mid-70s, right? You know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you might regret it if you don't do this. So I did. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. And it's been great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting, letting me tell this and taking on this issue. Because like I said, it, it, I think it's important and it's not being addressed. You know, when I was listening to Matthew there, it, from the Pope's comments on, on Monday to today, mm-hmm. we've had three segments on this now. It, you know, if this doesn't, you know, sort of break up your old perceptions of family can only be a nuclear family. Oh, yeah. And how, you know, in the end of the day, and this is where I think the, you know, the pontiff in his comments, and I get understand where he's coming from. And I think to a certain degree, you can talk a little bit about the commercialization of pregnancy. And I think he's got a point there. Um, but broadly speaking, uh, where society's headed today, uh, and that's part of the challenges, I think the culture wars that we have today is yeah. the traditional nuclear family, or what we viewed as a nuclear family, has always been perceived as the ideal image of family. Heavy finger quotes there nowadays. Because <laughs> also, when I was talking to Matthew, we had a good point. Um, is that like parents are just getting older nowadays. People are getting older before they start their families just because yeah. of the very real economic challenges. Um, Matthew and I are both millennials. Like it's hard to be a millennial and get the resources to like have to get yourself together to have a baby. And sometimes you're in your mid late forties when, when that comes together for you. So you do have to look at sort of alternative options and we didn't get to talk about this either. There's so much in this, in our chit chat, but uh, a lot of Canadians who are seeking sperm donation, they go through American uh, sperm banks because Mm -hmm. in America you can, there's a financial incentive. Medical ethics are much different in America than they are in Canada. So there's a lot of money that can be offered and you can get tax credits even for doing this and for, you know, getting yourself to the sperm bank. So then if you're dealing with an American agency, if you're trying to get, you know, 
it's just if that that's what's available, that's where the supply is. So then you have to deal with all kinds of other regulations that they have or that they might not have. Like they might not tell you, they might not, you know, tell you how to do screening on people. They might not, they might lie to you about medical records or they might hmm. obscure medical records of your donor because they claim anonymity, but it's also hard to claim anonymity because anyone can just do DNA testing and find out who your siblings are. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, there's all sorts of like limiting family groups and things like that. And it's a can, it's a can of worms. It's been fertility week and I've learned so much. It's a fascinating <laughs> topic for me. You weren't expecting coming to work on Monday. That you no pun intended expecting but like yeah i truly and then and then papa frank really set it up for me the pope did it and he's like (laughs) Uh, said some interestingly out-of-pocket stuff there you go thanks papa frank 